Well, hopefully our time in the Word won't be as rocky as what we've just heard about. But if it is, you just keep going forward, okay? Thanks, Les. Glad the Lord preserved you. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 6. This message today is, <clears throat> I, would, I would say it is more of a, um, a directive, which I believe is from the Lord, for um, our ongoing prayer, not only in anticipation of the seminar that's coming, but for the, um, the rapid um, advent of the... Uh, our seminar, and then the Brazilian gathering, and then the French gathering, and God really is doing a lot in regard to the breakthrough uh, into this year that he's promised. And so this message today is, uh, you know, we're going to learn some things, but it's more of a directive for us. Um, next week and the week following, we're going to be um, ongoing prayer emphases, um, not this week, but next week and the following week, we'll be having things on Wednesday nights. Um, but this week is, is something that we need to do individually. Last week, we were welcoming the presence of the Lord in our lives and in the uh, in welcoming here His presence and, and just in commune with Him the various ways that we, we want his presence to come. Um, as we read this passage in Numbers chapter 6, we'll see what God is requiring for us to do as individuals this week. So number 6, it's kind of interesting that the bulk of this chapter is about the Nazarite and the Nazarite vow and what the Nazarite needs to do and what the Nazarite shouldn't do and how the, the Nazarite offering is when it's broken and uh, what, what, what all needs to happen in regard to that. And we've studied about the Nazarite in the past. We've talked about how that um, it really is a, an individual pursuit regarding something that God has laid before the person or through the person on behalf of the people. Um, our message today is not about the Nazarite, but uh, we would do well to recognize that the very bulk of this chapter is about that. But we pick up at verse 22, this well-known proclamation that has been, it's a beautiful thing to say. It's something that is spoken over congregations in um, more... Um, denominational churches. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful, it's a poetic proclamation over the people. But we're going to take that from the beauty of the poetic and put it into the practical today because I believe this is something that the Lord really wants us to embrace. It is on the heels of the Nazarite, which speaks about this is a PowerPoint. I think that the reason it's positioned this way is that somebody pays the price or a people pay the price before the Lord by obeying him, devoting themselves in some way, and then through that, God is able to release a blessing over the people. So you can't separate these two factors. But in verse 22 of number 6, it says, The Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and his sons, saying, On this wise you shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. And then, right after that, chapter 7, Moses has fully set up the tabernacle and anointed it and sanctified it, and they really launch into a point of, of tabernacle 
existence then. So this is a crucial moment. Um, let's look at this from a couple of factors, a couple of, of, of ways that the Lord wants us to see what this, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, um, expression over the people is. The first thing is, let's notice that in all of these references, God is identifying himself as Jehovah, as Yahweh. There's no instance of him saying Lord here in the King James, but it's really Adonai or one of the others. Every one of these is Yahweh or Jehovah, which is the plan of God, what, how God wants to do something, what he wants to do. The second thing we want to see is that there is, is truly a progression of three. Uh, you have a blessing, you have the face or the presence, panim, shining upon the people with grace. Then you have Yahweh lifting up the presence upon the people and giving peace. So you have two instances of the presence. One is the shining, O-R, or that the shining that comes. And, and in the midst of that, God is leading you into grace. This is our word, Hanon, grace. And then you have Yahweh bringing the presence into a nasa, where it's lifting you and it's leading you toward peace or the fulfillment of something and whatever it is that God is wanting to do, which is what shalom is based in. So we see the operation of presence here, God's presence, his face. And first it comes in according to the plan of God as a shining illumination, something that would inspire, something that would invite, something that would say, I, I'm, here's what I want to do. Here's the way my presence wants to partner with you. And it's a beautiful thing. And then it goes into as the presence, and according to the plan, is being lifted up, is being elevated, is being revealed, is being brought forward, it will accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish in, in the peace of God and through the peace of God. I think that's, that's an incredible thing. How often it is that God will say something to us and he will really give us an inspiration of, oh, wow, let me prophesy. This is what's going to happen. And everybody gets excited about it, as we should. And then the process of grace then uh, makes its necessary uh, self known. And you've got to be offering supplication. And you've got to be willing to go forward. And you've got to be willing to keep your eyes on the horizon. And you've got to keep, keep insisting that whatever is necessary, we're going to offer. And as you do that, then, the presence begins to manifest. The, the presence of God, God's face, God's ways, begins to be uh, brought high and lifted up. And you begin to see the, the formation and the structure of what God's doing. And God is going to bring us from the point of the sending forth in peace or shalom to the coming back in peace. And I just think that's interesting. Here, here you, have, you have really a, um, a trumpet call of assignment. You know, and again, I, I can remember hearing this. It's a nice little ditty that people sing. And, you know, it's, it's a nice way to end the service. And everybody can, can go out to the cafeteria then and feel real good about themselves. And, uh, but, but again, and I, and I bless that. The Word of God can be a comfort in that way. But you don't, you don't talk about the Nazarite and then come into the plan of God where he's saying, this is my presence, and then you go right into, okay, we've got this tabernacle set up, which is designed to go into the place where darkness has reigned and uh, the victory of the Lord comes. You, you don't throw a little poetic ditty in there and say, okay, just so everybody can keep a smile on their face. 
This is, this is operative commissioning. And so when the presence of God comes, when the ways of God come, it's going to function, as we looked at on Wednesday night, you think according to what God's plan is, because he's come there not to just give you goosebumps, not to give you another story to tell at the next glory convention, but he's coming there to say, here is what I'm wanting to do. I am looking for a partner, and um, I am going to, first of all, inspire you, but then in, before the, the shine of that inspiration goes away, I'm going to cause you to, to enter into a, a point of grace partnership with me, which is going to involve supplication. And then uh, you're going to begin seeing the, the, the ramifications of my presence and the structure of what my face or my ways have come to do to establish my plan. And I'm going to make sure that you know that as you've begun in peace for the victory, for the conquest, you will come back with it. And you will have a completion. I think that's, that's just so wonderful. Uh, and, and that's really the operative nature of God's presence or his face. And it's very, very clear here. But what I, I really feel that the Lord is saying in an operative way for us this week has to do with the blessing. And um, this verse 25, on this wise you shall bless. Verse 24, the Lord bless and keep you or, or protect you. And then um, you go into the, the two measures of his, uh, his face and then it comes back to, at the end, in verse 27, I will bless them. You've, we've studied about the blessing before, but we need to revisit this. Uh, the blessing, Barak, means to bow the knee before a superior God and to be commissioned for something that he is entrusting you to do. So it begins... Moses is instructed to tell Aaron, you need to barach over these people. You need to commission them for something because the ways of God are going to be committed to you. God's going to watch over you. It may, it may look perilous at times, but he's going to keep you. But then I'm going to tell you how he, uh, his face is going to come. I'm going to tell you how you need to function according to the spirit of grace. I'm going to tell you how his presence is going to be manifested and structured. I'm going to tell you how he's, uh, the peace of God is going to keep you and the Prince of Peace is going to lead you. But this is all going to be because I'm commissioning you in Barak, in the blessing. Um, that's the way we began to study about Barak, and um, I know we've talked a lot about the variations of what is entailed with that, but I, but I just wanted to touch on some very important things about the blessing. First of all, the blessing is what we said it is. It's being commissioned and given greater authority on behalf of the superior, our Lord God, to accomplish something in the new. It's a heightened measure of responsibility and authority and assignment. We understand that. Secondly, this word is used, this Barak, a very close um, derivation of it, is the word that is translated as lightning in the Old Testament. And we know from our study that lightning is the arrow of the Lord. We are his sons. We're sent forth as lightning. We heard earlier today that the lightning a, a direct, is directed by God to the reins of our life to see if we're willing to continue to partner with God. The lightning we've studied about prayer is the measure of voices, thunders, lightnings, and earthquakes. 
So I would put forward to you that when you are before the throne and you are contrite before God and you're being caught up then and your intercession is dust into that secret place of thunder, when God is ready to send you forth as an arrow of lightning, there is a commissioning where the bowing of the knee comes and you're sent forth then to see earthquakes, to see things turn right side up, to see things that should not be standing fall and those that should be erected brought forth into structure. So the, the lightning in that voice thunders, lightnings, earthquake is really synonymous with the commissioning of God and the bowing of the knee for going forth into the new. And I think that is, that is incredible. Even in the Old Testament, you see uses of this word, a close derivation of this word, when Daniel was meeting with the angel that was bringing revelation to him. Daniel said that the face of the angel was as this word, lightning. So the communication coming from God for the times of the end, for the scrolls of Daniel, which we're living right now, the angel's face was indicating the face of God, and it was as lightning. I think that's so fascinating. Now, we could also talk about how Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning. We've studied that in the past. We've looked at it. It is very important. But I think it's interesting, too, that, it, that in the society of the Old Testament, that Baal was known, not only Beelzebub, was not only known amongst the, the heathen um, peoples as the god of rain, but also as the god of lightning. So it's interesting that in the enemy camp, this Beelzebub influence that manages the deposits that the enemy controls and coordinates the legions and, and really is a, an ops kind of a thing, that for that being amongst those that worshipped him, uh, he was known as the one that would send forth as lightning. Isn't that interesting? And I think that some of the agents that we see operative in the world today who are serving the demonic, um, they, the, the enemy doesn't, he, he said, I'll be like the Most High. He will try to be like Elyon. And so he doesn't have anything new. He knows the way that humans were created. And he knows that when God Almighty is sending forth sons, he sends them forth as lightning. There's something about us as humans that was made to be a receptacle of this lightning. There's something about um, what the way we were made that we were fashioned to function in power in this way. And so the enemy recognizes it too. It's not to the degree that God has, but it is a, it is a, a, cheap, a cheap imitation of it. You know, it's fascinating to me. This is just on an aside. Uh, but we know about every two or three months, uh, the enemy will try to do some kind of nonsense here on our property. I remember most recently, Debbie Kay and I were working together on something that was back here. We've had blood on the doors. We've had all kinds of things. Well, this past week, um, one of our intercessors, I won't name her, but she usually sits over there by her daughters, uh, she saw this back door back here like somebody had anointed those doors with some kind of a weird oil, and there were handprints on the door that were huge. I mean, it would be like Shaquille O'Neal's bigger brother was putting handprints on that door. I mean, I couldn't believe how big that looked. And so she cleaned it off and prayed, and we were praying and asking the Lord to, to turn that. But it, it's just so interesting that the enemy tries to emulate things that God does, whether it's the shedding of blood or oil or the, the focus of the hand or it's lots of other weird things. And we're not put off by that. I mean, it just, to me, it shows that, that um, the enemy is very concerned about what God's doing here and what he's trying to do. We're not worried about it. We, we deal with it. 
under the directive of the Spirit. We, we plead the blood. We do the cleansing. We turn it for the good. We send blessing back. We do all those things and more. But um, I think it's just interesting that the blessing of the Lord, the barak of the Lord, is equated with kneeling before God and going forth as lightning, and it's in direct, we are sent with the power of the cross by the directive of the Father to go and to establish the cross, to, to, uh, to establish the purchase price of Jesus on, on Calvary. And, and um, we, we have been given the commission by the Father to do that as his lightning, as his sons. And there, the enemy, the gates of hell, feel that they're empowered in some measure of lightning, but our lightning is bigger than their lightning. Amen? Now, that might seem like nonsense to some people, but for you in this place and you saints, you're living this. So you better pay attention to it. This is not some wacky thing that pastors rolling out this week. You're living it right now. And, you know, I was studying about a lot of different things this week because we're preparing for our seminar and the next two seminars. And, and there are reams of things that the Spirit is saying, and I thought I knew what he wanted me to share today. I was real excited about it, but he said, I want you to come and bring this and bring a declaration and tell the people what I want from them. I'm happy to do that. But the point of that is that this is for you. This is what you're doing. God is igniting you. I think also it's interesting that this word that is translated as to bless or to kneel before a superior and to become energized as lightning, that on the breastplate of the priest in the Old Testament, the top stone on the right-hand side is called by this name. And you know, I, I've looked at this, you've looked at this for years. You know, you try to figure out the colors on those stones, it's a fool's errand. You can't, Debbie, you just can't do it, can you? You know, somebody will say, oh, it's yellow. And then somebody, oh, but it's red. Oh, no, it's green. Just forget about it. I think that the best thing we can do is to find out what these stones mean. Now, we could do that through, if we really knew what color it was, but we don't know what color it is. We just don't. So on the top stone, and, and we really, I don't even know what, what I, I'd have to really clarify this. So far, I've been able to find four of these stones, and the Spirit's the one that's directing this. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do it. We've got other things to do. But so far, we've been able to determine the meaning of four of these stones. And I think it's interesting. This is one of them. Another one is captivity. To, to be somebody that takes captive. And I think that's very interesting too. But that breastplate of judgment is not just righteousness, peace, and love. It's judgment in the Old Testament. This is how the mishpat of God is going to send his light into the darkness. And it's upon you, and it should be what you're known by. And in fact, it says here in verse 27, that will put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will, I will barak them. I just think it's interesting that all this blessing, that's the name of one of the stones. So uh, it's a functional reality. And that's our breastplate too. We put on this breastplate. And every one of those stones means something in a power way in, in how God relates to his people. Now, we can just say, oh, let's, let's argue about what the colors are. And again, we've tried to do that, haven't we? It's just almost impossible because nobody knows. You're talking 2,000 years ago. I mean, nobody knows what these colors What is a carbuncle? Look it up. Well, it can be yellow. It can be green. It can be red. It could be some odd color of purple. You know, who knows? But we cannot at all mistake the fact that this word bless means the lightning and to be commissioned to go forth as sons to accomplish what the presence of God wants. And I think that's his name upon us. That's how God is empowering with authority his people to represent the kingdom. You're living that right now. We're living that right now. 
I can't go and you can't go into these many nations just with, you know, carrying, a, carrying this sword. As much as I love this sword, we better be fully uh, accoutremented with every weapon that God has created us to have and every point of identity. There has been over the past many decades now, a couple of decades, times, and we've talked about this, not just me but others, that sometimes when you're out in intercession, the, the Father takes you to some place and you're calling unto Him. You know, sometimes I've, I've even said that, you know, it's like the breastplate is our passport in some ways. Like there have been times that in warfare I've felt the enemy forces, some of you tuning in, don't get whacked out, try to pull on that. And I remember one time there was, a, there was a force that pulled really hard, and I felt like my whole spirit was coming up, but it didn't go out. And then I heard a loud voice said, he has a right to be here. And they backed off. So this breastplate is more than just some neat Levitical thing that we can wear and dress up at conventions as. I mean, this, this is a a visa, as it were. You know, you come, you come to certain nations, you better have paid for that visa, or they're not letting you in. If you stay past the visa, unless you go over our southern border, you, you, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, but in the spirit realm, this means something. So one of those stones is called by this name for blessing. And I think that is very significant. And it's not simply a theoretical, theological discussion that, oh, I just got lost when you started talking about that. You better not get lost because this is describing where you are. It is. You need this right now, brother, right now, because this is how you're known. They shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will barak them. So you have barak at the beginning. You have barak then with... Um, the, the beginning of the progression of how the Lord moves, how Yahweh's plan moves, and then you have this finished with Barak. The lead-up discussion is Nazarite. Somebody's paying the price for this, doing the groundwork beforehand. Then you have the tabernacle right, at, right after that. How can we miss this? So it's not just a little ditty on the way to Luby's. The Lord bless thee, the Lord keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. Oh, I love it. To just play that. It helps me go to sleep at night. Well, it is nice, but this is marching order. This is how the presence of God moves. This is the presence. This, the face and the countenance. This is how grace partners with it. This is how peace partners with it. This is how God, as Yahweh, pronounces that I'm going to watch over them through this whole thing. But it's going to be because I have called them and commissioned them to do this, this Barak. And I think that is just really, really cool. You know, there's an extension of this, too. And I, I don't want to get lost in the weeds here, but I'll just bring it up anyway. You know me. I'm going to lead, lead you into the weeds every now and then. Um, You've, you've heard the story of the Pool of Siloam in the New Testament where Jesus spat and put the mud in the guy's eye and the blind guy, hopefully. <laughs> hey, why do you put that in my eye? I'm deaf. You know, the, the blind guy. And he says, go and wash in the Pool of Siloam. Um, well, in the Old Testament, this is known as the Pool of Siloam, but pool there is a derivative of Barak which meant that for that pool, which is the pool of Siloah in the Old Testament, which was the upper pool of Hezekiah's day, I mean, this, this was some place where the camels would have to bend down on their knee and drink, or the people would go and bend down and have a measure of commissioning, a measure of purifying. But it was also a source of water that, again, Hezekiah used during the siege. And it's one of the marvels of, of ancient... We talk about the Romans and their aqueducts. What Hezekiah did with that is, is a modern 
it's a miracle to see that those ancient people were able to do that. And, you know, I remember reading about an archaeological dig where they actually found the plate that was written in ancient Hebrew down in that, in that conduit, and it identified that Hezekiah was the one that commissioned this and, and that this was by his kingly order. But that pool was a pool of the bending of the knee, and it was commissioning. So you could think, well, what, why did Jesus send the blind guy there? Why did he send him there? Why didn't he send him to the Jordan? Or why didn't he send him to the pool of Bethesda? There was a lot happening over there, you know. The angel would quicken the water. But no, he sends him over here. Why? Well, I think that it's because Jesus was trying to show people that, you know, you're, you're blind to what I really want to do in regard to being cleansed and being in regard to being commissioned to go forth as sons. And you need to have an anointing to see, which would also then bring us to when he spoke to the church at Laodicea, and he said, you think you've got everything, but you need to know that, once again, that you're naked before me so that you can be commissioned to go forward, and you need to have an anointing on your eyes so that you can see clearly. I'm praying that in this year as we go forth into uh, ministering to a lot of different pastors this year and a lot of churches, that God will give that anointing so that people will be able to see their need to be purified, to be cleansed, and to have their eyes open to the commissioning of Yahweh for what he's wanting us to do. That's just a wonderful uh, add-on to the story of the man with the mud. Here's mud in your eye. You know, that's, if Dennis was teaching this, that'd be the title of his sermon, I know, and Tammy would giggle about it. And it'd be a good title. But that pool of Soloah in the Old Testament, Soloam in the, in the New Testament, is the pool of kneeling. And I was thinking about that too. Not all the pools were called by this. Um, only a couple of them. There was one in Hebron. Uh, only a couple of them were called by that name to kneel. And, and I was reminded of the story of Gideon and how, remember, God pared down the group and then he, he brings them and he says, okay, now I want you to watch and I want you to see uh, whoever, whoever kneels now, you know, I've already sent people home who were afraid. And now you've got this smaller group um, and now I want you to watch. And those who kneel here, you send them home. But those who are staying battle-ready, who, who scoop some up and they're watching, the 300 is the ones I'm going to use. Why would that be? Why would that commission be? You would think that you would want people on their face. You would think that you would want people to kneel after what we've just said. That was part of their commissioning as a people. Well, to me, it's this. They were already far into the process of getting ready to fight. They had already pared down thousands of people. And if at that point you still are needing a commissioning, something didn't go right the last time to me. Now, I know we could hash over this, but poetically and prophetically, once God commissions you, once you have said, yes, Lord, I will go, once God has already said, and you've said, I'm not going to fear I'm in this. I'm committing. You better stop looking for, um, for, for people to say, yeah, you're on the right track. You better stop looking. Well, I need more anointing. Remember what happened when the, disciple, when the 70 went out and Jesus anointed them and then they came back and they said, oh, all these great things happened and they said, oh, Lord, increase our faith. What did Jesus say to them? He wasn't too pleased with that, was he? No, he wasn't. So at some point, we've got to buck it up and say, hey, God has commissioned us. We know what our assignment is. I don't need 15 new words to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. I've already knelt. I've already committed. God has already anointed me. I already have the light. I got the lightning in me. And, and so I'm going to go forth in his presence. And I know what it's like. Listen. You're not the only one that comes under attack. I know what it's like to think, how long, O oh Lord? I know what it's like. I don't feel that now. 
I mean, we're in, we're in breakthrough land. We're, we're going forward. If the only thing I feel now is a whole lot of work, and I'm grateful to have more to do than I know what to do with. I'm grateful for that. That means you've got more than enough. God's promised that somewhere, I think. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. And we want it to be that way. And we want to say, Lord, help us to get all this done. Help us to have the hundredfold. We're called not to just be mighty men or not just to, to be people who can distribute things. We want to be gatekeepers. We want to be those who are moving as the 70 were and beyond as those who are moving on behalf of the eyes of God. This is what we need to be doing. So uh, we don't need somebody to come alongside and say, hey, you know what, let me give you a word. You know, God is going to ignite you with lightning. Well, that's already happened. And, and, you know, how much more of his lightning do you need? You know, I, I, you don't want to get too much voltage, he'll fry you. So, anyway, I just thought that was interesting with that, that connection of those select pools and the kneeling and that Jesus would then send the blind man. There, there's a, there's a, an additional message for that. But look at this, though. Here you have, speak Aaron unto his sons on this wise you will barak the children of Israel. The Lord, Yahweh, barak you and watch over you. Yahweh, let the face first shine and lead you into grace. Yahweh, cause the face or the presence, again, to begin to take shape and to be seen upon you and around you and know that what you've begun you're going to come back and know that you've accomplished it in peace. You know, why is it grace first and then peace next? Because you're not going to get anywhere with God unless you move forward in grace. You're just not. You know, that's his, that's his calling card. Hey, will you go forth in a new horizon? Yeah, I know things look bad. You look barren. You look childless. You look like you can't do anything. You want to you partner in grace to see something new? You're not going anywhere with God and the miraculous unless you're willing to accept that. You need that first. Then peace comes when you're victorious. Peace comes when you're in the midst of the fray and the Prince of Peace is there with you, fighting alongside. You're fighting with him, alongside him. Peace is never accomplished without a victory. It just isn't, and I, I, I'm concerned this is another message not for me, maybe for one of the churches down the road. I'm concerned for our country that we really don't understand what has brought us liberty and what has brought us peace over and over again. And I can tell you, you know, just being a person who studies warfare, only God caused us to win in World War II. Only God caused that. I mean, there were, was miracle after miracle after miracle, and we should have been dead in the water over and over again. And I'm concerned about where our country is now, um, that the fear of God is, is really few and far between in a lot of people. I'm very grateful for what you hear happening in Asbury Seminary with uh, the revival that they've been knowing for 10 days. I don't know if you've seen clips of that. And it's great. Um, it's different from the kind of revival that we have been used to. They're singing worship choruses and kids are getting up and repenting. That's great. Repenting, that's the big thing. But we've, we've understood that repentance is a beginning point, and then you continue to be converted. You continue to be changed from glory to glory. It's the causeway of God. And so, yeah, our nation really needs to repent. Boy, does it. You know, we've been being taught throughout churches across the nation that you don't really need to repent. You just do whatever you want to do. God's already, he loves you so much. And you just go ahead and sin. Grace will abound. You just go ahead and do whatever you want to do. You know, no shame. Just, just go for it. It's nice to hear that somebody is offering amongst the young repentance. But 
as so often the case is, repentance for, at least in the mentality of a lot of churches, is every year you have a revival, people come repent, okay, we'll see you next year, which is not a whole lot different than my Catholic friends when I was growing up who would sin like the Dickens all week long, go to see the priest, repent, and then go right back onto the treadmill of sin. I mean, God wants you to get off that treadmill and start taking mountains. He wants you to stop having to come and repent for the same sin you've committed over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and to begin to function as a son, to be lightninged and to move forward. And so I pray that whatever God's doing there in Kentucky, which is just about 30 miles from where the big Cane Ridge revival happened in the 1700s, I pray that that will be an igniting of repentance, but we need to go on from there. I, I, it's necessary. I'm not diminishing it. But our message as saints is to speak to churches to say, hey, now that you've been born again, what's next? What do you need to be doing now with this salvation that you know? Uh, what are you going to do now that you've come to the altar 15 times? Are you, are you ready now to become a son? This is how you bless the people. And these words are very clear. I mean, I'm not, I didn't reach into a mystery bag with big question marks on it like the Riddler on Batman and pull out some crazy definition. You can look these definitions up for yourself. It's all right there. Unless you just ecclesiastic it and make it into a little ditty that you sing at night or when people are on the way thinking what they're going to order at the restaurant. This is God's marching order. This is how my presence is going to be manifested in you through grace and peace. Isn't that something, grace and peace? How many times was that the invitation on the letters written in the New Testament and the conclusion of those letters? Grace and peace, grace, mercy, peace. This is what God wants. He always has. You know what grace means. You know what peace means. You know what blessing means. Congratulations. Those are pneumaticos understandings, but it's all right there. If you just look at it, if the Spirit has shown you what it means, there it is. But you are as lightning. You are commissioned as sons. You are arrows in the quiver of your heavenly Father. You're being sent forth from the throne to create earthquakes in the spirit realm. You are a people that are on your knees being commissioned by God as sons with the authority and the power to move forward in the days ahead. You are those people in the presence, in the face of God, partnering with His ways. You are those people. And so... We approach this week as saints. And I've, I feel that this is something that the Lord wants from us this week. I humbly put before you the opportunity for you to prayerfully accept something that you need to do every day this week. On behalf of our calling as saints, on behalf of this unique calling to teach the Word and to present the mysteries that God has revealed uh, through prayer and through then the revelation of His Word, that's still our mission, and it's about to, it's about to go four or five mocks faster than it ever has. I think that every day this week, we need to fast at least one meal a day. And at some point during that time, if you can, get on your knees before God and thank Him for the commissioning that He's given us and ask Him, as you are in His presence, to ignite you afresh as a commissioning from the throne for what lays ahead of us. It's a very simple thing, but yet, God just looks at obedience. I mean, if we were going to try to put something together to impress God to get this, we would never put anything together good enough for that. But it's the seed. It's the handful of meal. It's that point of obedience that God looks at. 
So, every day this week, choose, and again, I say at least, you could do the whole day if you want. Somebody's going to come up, can I do the whole week? Do whatever God says to do, but do at least one meal a day. It doesn't have to be the same meal every week, every day. Just be creative with it. God's with you. Ask him what he wants. But during that time at some point, you can lay on your face during that time and pray for 30 minutes, for 40, 45, an hour, whatever. But at some point, kneel and thank God for his commissioning. Thank God for what he has given to us as saints to do. Welcome that covering, which God says, I will keep you. That's like a covering of verse 24. And, he, you know, he's, he's laid out his partnership. He's laid out the plan so far for this year. But there's more to come. And we need to present ourselves this week in conjunction with his presence and in conjunction with what he is wanting to do. There's, there's so much more that he's going to show but we need to offer ourselves this week. Do you begin today? Well, that's up to you. You know, I always hate to call a fast on a particular, on the day of, you may have things scheduled. Now, if God said, thus says me, you do this, then, of course, I'd say start today. But you can start today, but at least start it tomorrow. One meal, fast it. Do more if you want to. But at some juncture, be on your knees giving thanks to the Lord and welcoming. In fact, I'm, I'm planning, you don't have to do this, I'm planning to lift my hands during that time as well to show I'm willing to, to, to take that, that hand of God even though I don't know what all's coming. I know certain things, but I, I want to partner with you. I want to begin with, what, uh, with whatever you are requiring in this time frame. But the blessing on the knee, the lightning, the, the being caught up before the throne and sent forth as arrows um, to be in a, in a point of cleansing and commissioning and cool water uh, of, of purification and refreshing to, to, to know on the breastplate that, yeah, I'm commissioned by God. You know, it's not just the sparks that are flying from like a modern-day Thor. You know, it's not just that. Here is the commission on this breastplate. Righteousness. The breastplate of judgment. And these things are ordered by God. And I just think it's great. So... That's the word of directive for us today. And I, I pray that you'll, you will prayerfully accept this and do it and see what God will do. Um, you know, I'll say, I'll say this. Um, particularly, I think that our seminar in a couple of weeks is, is going to... Uh, affirm a lot of things, and God's going to be imparting a lot of things. In some ways, this time of prep is kind of like a, a Nazarite type of, of offering. And next week, it'll be a different commission, and the week following, it'll be a different commission. This is all orchestrated. God spoke about this a few weeks ago. Over these next few weeks, these five things I want you to be with, and God's just lining them out. But um, I, I, the one thing that particularly for Brazil, that we need. We've got the teaching. We've, we've got the, the manpower down there. They want this. We've got the place. We've got people praying down there. But, but you know the one thing that we absolutely have to have? We need to have intercessors who go down there and pray and impart into people. That's what we have to have. Because, you know, I've, I've, I've been in many places, and others have too, where you bring the word of the Lord, and there are hundreds and sometimes even thousand people, and you think, okay, <laughs> who's going to go down through these people and lay hands on them? 
Who's got the spark? Who's got the anointing to go down there? That's what they need. It's like what we talked about last week. The demonstration of the Spirit and dunamis. Who's going to ignite that? And I think at the very beginning of our walk, we knew that was necessary. I mean, you, you, and, and I, never, I never faulted this. I, I'm grateful. You know, when hands were laid on us in Brownsville, not, not, they weren't teaching this stuff. They were talking about repentance, get rid of HBO, that kind of stuff. That was necessary. But when we started imparting, um, people had some, some pop. And, but then, I don't know. I'm not faulting anybody. I'm in this just, just us kids here. Um, it, it, we, we maybe stopped valuing that we needed to be that and thought that as we graduated it became more mature. Now we're the teacher. Now we're the preacher. What we have to have is the, the fire from the lightning within you ignited into people. And it's by the laying on of hands for these folks. Now, yeah, I can declare it. I know that. We've, we've had to do a lot of things. But, you know, the, the miracle of the, of the bread, the five loaves and two fishes, this has been preached in so many ways. But it was multiplied when they broke the bread. You know, Jesus didn't just say, multiply. And so all of a sudden you have, you know, a big storehouse, a big Chick-fil-A truck pulls up, and all the people that manage their drive throughs are out there feeding the thousands. No, it's when they broke the bread. And we've, we've got to get, we've got to recognize how important that is. We need fuelers down there. I don't need any more speakers right now. I need fuelers. I need people who can give jump starts into the, the spirits of people. That's what we need. That's what we must have. And this lightning, is, is, this is one of the things that God is charging you up for. And, you know, the little woman with the issue of blood, she comes, she touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and he stops and he says, virtue has flowed out of me. We don't have any record that she heard Jesus teach at all. She heard of him. People have told about him. But power flowed out of him. And he stopped and he said, somebody, somebody haptoed my garment here. Somebody touched. And I felt dunamis flow out of me. That is... An amazing thing. You know, Jesus would say, okay, now wait a second. You know, I'm going to be teaching over here, and you know, I've, I've got the scroll, so you just wait, because this is the most important thing. No, power flew out of me. And this woman who believed is free. We've got to have that, for, particularly for this Brazil people group. So, you know, we might need a couple more tech people, I'm sure. We've got people down there that are going to be doing the worship and the instruments. Thank God. We've got ushers. We've got security. We've got counseling. We've got kids' ministry. We've, we've been, listen, this, we're putting all this together, and it, believe me, it's, it's fun. because <laughs> you, you try to say, okay, we're going to need this. It's kind of like a Monty Python thing. Okay, we'll do this. No, no, no. You don't understand what I'm saying. Don't let him leave this room, all right, unless he's with me. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. So you, you have to say it over and over again and talk it through so that they understand, okay, this is what we have to have for this many-day gathering. This is what we've got to have. Okay. And that's work. It's exasperating. So we don't, we've got that. What we don't have are people who are lightened up who will say, my ministry is to be in prayer for this thing, and I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to be ready to lay hands on people. I'm going to be ready to see the dunamis flow out and ignite. That's what we got to have. When we first started going into France, we took teams of 18, 20, 25 people. We went into to Africa. What, how many do we have? 42, 45 people? I don't remember. 
But the main job was, since nobody knew anything, was to lay hands on people. And that's what we've got to have to, to begin things. So I know that the lightning does other things than that, but this is a dunamis charger. And we've got to have this blessing. So as you're praying, let's just quick, quick go over the things that we can readily see. There's some other factors, but those are really deep weeds. I've, I've already said too much about this when I started talking about the pool. But God's identity on your breastplate, the commissioning to go forward as lightning, that, that measure of, of being able to partner with the angelic whose faces are as lightning, that commission of of being able to see um, God move in ways that, uh, that he wants to bring on the ground to send away the enemy, in a, uh, the enemy imitation of the true measure of lightning. You know, God, think about this. If, if, and we know this is true, we've studied this in Scripture, if the places God is sending us are currently being under the domain of darkness and Baal, Beelzebub, is managing those, and God sends us there, um, we need to recognize that uh, those gates will not be able to resist what God is commissioning us to do, but we, we, we've been being talked to about the river of God, the wells of God, the streams, the, the rain, the latter and former, and lightning, and thunder, all of that stuff, which in the ancient world, the demon that they worshipped who supposedly controlled what went on in that, those areas was this being that Jesus speaks about who also said he did these things. So the greater one is with us. But we need to recognize that when God uses this terminology, he's saying it for a reason. You need this. This isn't just some nickel and dime show. Oh, guess what they're doing over there? We better go over and get some. No, you're being commissioned for this. And it's in the Word. This is wonderful. So this week, we fast a meal per day. More if you want to. Um, and at some point, we kneel, and we give thanks for our unique apostolic calling, and we knowledgeably, if you want, lift your hands while you're kneeling and say, Father, I am willing. Uh, the breakthrough is here. We're, we're about to be uh, sent forth. We're already being sent forth in our intercessions and, and in the things that we're doing online, but w w we're going to be sent forth. Ignite me again. Ignite me for your glory. We need this. This was the blessing of the Lord. This is what we're to say over the people. And it's, it's very clear, isn't it? Father, I thank you for this. I thank you for your mission. I thank you for this commission. And I, I thank you for the permission to say this. <laughs> And, and I pray, Father, that as we initiate this, this week of going before you for the blessing of partnering with your presence, that you will help us to minister to you and that we will receive your lightning as your sons, as your arrows sent forth from your quiver, and that we would be that uh, that communicator of your will and your ways with the power of your spirit that brings function both to people and to places through your cross. But Father, use your people this week. Help us to minister to you in the exact way that you require. And we thank you for this. Now, Father, I do pronounce the blessing over your people, whether in this house or joining online. And I ask that 
you would cause us to enter into this point of empowerment for you. I ask that you will guard over us through this process. I ask that your face would be shining upon us and that we would be inspired to move forward in grace. I ask that according to your plan, we would also be empowered to move in every battle, in every establishment of peace. And I pray that we would come back victorious at the conclusion of this season and to be able to say to the Father, thank you. I pronounce this over all of your people, including over me. And I love you, Father, and I thank you for this. Uh, continue to show us your word, and we'll, we'll do our best to obey. And we thank you for it, for we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. Thank you. It's going to be a good week, and um, I, I, I know, I don't, boy, I don't know if we want to interrupt the kids. They sound like they're having a good time down there. So, parents, this is your time. Just enjoy it while you can. God bless you. Love one another, and we'll, uh, we'll see you soon.